When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories. Today's episode is sponsored by TK Horses. You can find out more information on them by searching TK Horses on Facebook or Instagram. We are super grateful to have them as a sponsor and we appreciate all of the previous sponsors that we have had. Um, Like I've mentioned in the past couple intros, we are going to change up the way that we do sponsorships. This year we are looking for people who want to sponsor the podcast year-round. So if you or somebody you know is interested in being a yearly sponsor, please send me an email and I can answer any questions you might have about that. My email is cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. And with that being said, let's dive right in. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I wanted to do another one where I got the perspective of the ranch life from a ranch wife. So today I visited with Jamie Howell. Um, she lives on the Babbitt Ranches, and she has a pretty cool story that I'm excited to share with you all. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better. You're welcome. Um, I usually just like to have people start off by introducing themselves. So if you don't mind doing that. Yeah. Um, My name is Jamie Howell, and I live on the Babbitt Ranch. How did you get involved in the ranching way of life? I got involved when I was 11. Um, My sister married Mike McFarland, which was, he's a cowboy, and that is when I first got involved in the ranching industry, I guess, and then before that, it wasn't like it was super um, new to me, because my family had been real involved in rodeo, Oh, okay. and some of them had, um, their family had ranched or whatever, but I lived in town, my Um, Mom was single and lived in town. And when my sister married Mike McFarland, they were they moved to the um, RO ranch, and um, that that was probably how I first got introduced to ranching. Okay. Would you just go down and visit her down there? I did. Um, She's eleven years older than I am, and so um, yeah, I I would go um, summer and vacation times, um, and see them. And we lived in Prescott, so it wasn't that far. And then my mom remarried when I was 15 and we moved to Page, Arizona. And I went to high school there. And at that time, my brother-in-law and sister were living here at Spiderweb on the Babbitt Ranch working for Bill Howell. 
and I came down to visit them, and um, I met my husband, Victor Howe. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did you ever picture yourself ending up on a ranch? Yeah. Yeah. I did actually. Um, just seeing their lifestyle made me um, definitely interested in living on a ranch. So yeah, I very much wanted to do that, and so it was felt very blessed to be able to to marry Vic and to and to get to live this lifestyle. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What was it about this lifestyle that um, was intriguing to you? I guess truthfully, I I liked the. Uh, living out of town, the remoteness of it. Um, and then, I don't know, I just, um, it was something that I was just attracted to, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. When you married Vic and you ended up, did you stay on the Babbitts or where did where yeah. did you go from there? No, um, so when we first got married, Vic was going to college his freshman year um, down at um, Central Arizona College. And um, during during his um, Christmas break um, is when we got married, December 18th. And um, so I moved down. He, was, he had got a job working for Red River Feedlot. And um, I don't know, that, that's that feedlot that John Wayne owned oh. or partially owned. Oh. So um, he was working there, and um, I moved down which it's um, in Stanfield, which is about 15 miles west of Casa Grande. And um, we lived there, and Vic went to school and, and worked at the feedlot. And so then when he graduated from CAC, actually went to, to a year of college at ASU as well down there. So we were there about two and a half years, I guess. And then... Um, then we moved back up to Babbitt's, and we he went through a spring branding, and then, oh, through some um, unusual events, I guess I would say, <laughs> um, a guy named Doy Reedhead from over at Holbrook um, had bought a ranch up in the White Mountains at Heber, and he had called... Vic's dad and asked if there was any way Vic might be interested in coming up there and going to work for him. And we had planned, or Vic did, plan to just go back to school, but we decided to go ahead and go up there and work for him. So we did for, we worked for him for a year and a half in Heber. And then um, at that time, we got a phone call from Vic's dad that said that John Babbitt um, had talked to him and was wondering if Vic would want to move back to Babbitt's in a management position. And um, anyway, we said, yeah, we were interested. And then Vic came and talked to John. And anyway, John I hired him. And But the stipulation, he Vic wanted to finish his degree. Mm-hmm. So we came back and went to work at Babbitt's. And then Vic went to school and finished his degree, got a business degree at NAU. That's and, cool. Yeah. And... Um, Anyway, that's how and we've been here ever since. That yeah. was in, um, let's see, that would have been in 1984 that we moved back. Cool. Yep. And did you have any kids before you came back here? Yes. Um, we While we were at the feedlot, we had our first daughter, Victoria. And um, then when we were over at um, Heber working for Doy Reedhead, we had our second daughter. And she was... Um, 
two months old when we moved back here. Okay. Um, our third daughter was born in 1988 after we were here. So we had three girls. Cool. Yeah. Was raising your kids on a ranch, was that something that was important to the both of you? Yeah. Or? Yeah, for sure it was. Um, I think it's an outstanding lifestyle to raise kids um, on a ranch. The, they just, um, oh, they have the ability to just have the freedom that you don't really have in town because of all the dangers, I suppose. And then also you're able to just um, give them a lot of more responsibility and they are able to like go to work with their dad. You know, that was really yeah. a cool thing. And all three of the girls rode and, and worked with Vic. And um, that was, you know, just special for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I I feel like there are definitely, like you mentioned, responsibility. I feel like there's definitely more of a sense of responsibility in farmer ranch kids than other kids. I might be being a little biased, but I just feel like from a young age, they have those responsibilities. Like I remember us when we were growing up, our first job, yeah. <laughs> if you could call it a job, was to feed and water the dogs. And that was your responsibility. And you knew if you didn't do it, like the dogs would go hungry. Like there's no way that you can't just not do it. Right. right. And I feel like you learn that from a young age. Like sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do because it has to get done yep. and you have to be responsible for that. And I think I agree with you. I think the ranch way of life definitely helps teach that. Yeah. The girls definitely learned that. And, um, you know, from, we had do a dog or two and feeding the dogs, they did that. But we had a lot of times they would have a doggy calf and they yeah. had to feed the doggy calves at a very young age. And, um, and then truthfully, um, it was just Vic's personality. They, they went and gathered cows young. I mean, they were, they were gathering cows by the time they were about eight, seven, eight years old, or maybe younger, some of them, you know, the first one was probably that age, but anyway, and then, I mean, they were driving vehicles on the ranch very young. And so there's just a lot of, I mean, and when I say vehicles, I mean, pickups and horse trailers and yeah. you know what I mean? On dirt roads and stuff. And I do, I think it makes kids just feel a sense of, um, responsibility and, and, um, a sense of, um, I can do it, you know, I can yeah. do these things and I can do hard things. I, like uh -huh. Yeah. And they just grow up young. They really do. So I think, um, all three of the girls got married relatively young and, and everybody was like, Oh my goodness, I can't imagine, you know, letting my kid get married that young. But I think, I mean, they were totally ready. They were, had matured to that level, I think young. So yeah. Yeah. Was there any part of the lifestyle, since it wasn't something that you grew up in necessarily, was there any part of it that surprised you? No, I don't guess necessarily um, that it surprised me. I, I guess I had been around it, truthfully, even though it was my sister since I was 11, that yeah. I was kind of... Um, you knew what to expect a I little did. bit. I did, yeah. And so... It, yeah, no, it didn't necessarily surprise me. Yeah, that's cool. If I can remember how I worded it, I think one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, 
um, how your role as a mother and a wife contributed to Vic being able to be a successful cowman? Yeah. Um, well, I guess I would have to say it was my um, honor to get to be Vic's wife and to just get to support him in this job. It was a big job, and um, I felt like um, I didn't ride and go with the crew and do all those kinds of things. Um, I didn't, on a big ranch, you know, there's a crew, and it's just like women generally don't go with the crew, mm -hmm. or at least they didn't back then. And um, But I just felt like if I could keep things at home running smoothly and making our home a place that where Vic could come after a long, hard day and just um, be able to relax and that kind of thing was my job. And to also to be, you know, take care of the girls and, and, and the less he had to do in that way. And the more that I could do to do the behind the scenes support of him, mm -hmm. not necessarily, you know, writing and that kind of thing, but just, um, being a help to him. Um, that's kind of what I did. And I, I am thankful that I got to do that. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I think a lot definitely goes unnoticed, um, for, for having a, like a smooth operation or having things run smoothly. I think that, like you said, a lot of behind the scenes work gets done and um, I think that's really neat that you were able to do that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I am, um, you know, just from making sure there was always always a dinner for him at night and always a lunch for him or, yeah, you know, that kind of stuff to picking things up in town or... That was how you felt you could help. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know... Um, going and getting something on the other side of the ranch or, you know, just those kind of things to make his job easier. Yeah. yeah that's kind of what I did. And then I also homeschooled our, our three girls. Um, did you picture yourself doing that? No, I didn't. <laughs> um, I didn't start homeschooling till our oldest daughter was out. She was when she started her eighth grade year. And, um, I had entertained thoughts of, homeschool because it was really hard to put the kids on the bus. Um, but I just thought, Oh, I could never do that. I could never do that. And, um, but, um, through a set of circumstances, I was pushed into <laughs> doing it and, um, submitted. And, um, I was so thankful I did that. Really? And yeah. And, um, uh, my oldest daughter was so thankful that I did that. And so... If you, sorry, if you wouldn't have, where would they have had to go? Flagstaff. To, really? So it's 35 miles in there. And does a bus come? It does. Okay. It comes and brings them home. But there was a lot of time on, on the school bus, you know. Yeah. And anyway, so yeah. Um, so I just started homeschooling her and sent the other two to school. And then in the middle of the year, I pulled our middle daughter out and incorporated her into schooling. She was in fourth grade. And then the next year, I started schooling our youngest daughter, Danielle, and um, she was in first grade. So 
yeah, I homeschooled them, all three of them, till they through graduation, all of really? them. And um, my oldest daughter, they have four girls, and they she has homeschooled her four girls. And then my middle daughter homeschooled her two kids for a while, and then they live in a small area with a little small school, so they're kind of going to school now. And then my youngest daughter has um, four kids, and she's homeschooled them all along. So, um, yeah, I, I'm thankful that I was able to do that, and then they have an idea of how you do this, you know. Yeah. And it's hard, but it was totally worth it. I remember when my oldest daughter, Victoria, graduated from high school, I just remember looking back thinking, I am so thankful to have got to spend all of the time that I possibly could with you. You weren't gone to school. It wasn't somebody else that got to see that, you know. And and um, I just was thankful that I was able to do that. Yeah. Did you have any kind of, like, education degree for I that? I didn't. Or? No. That's cool. Um, high school education. Vic was the... Um, Educated one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, That's awesome. Yeah. So what gave you the courage to be able to do that? Because I, like even thinking about that stresses me out. Well, to be honest, um, it was the Lord because I feel like that that's what he wanted me to do. And I feel like I was like, nope, nope, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I feel like through a set of circumstances, he pushed me in to say, okay, I will do this, and I will try. And I did, and I'm very thankful that I did. Um, so it was the Lord that gave me the strength to do that. That's cool. Yeah. I think, I don't know, since you brought it up, I feel like for me sometimes it's hard to trust in those little promptings that you get. Yes. But after you listen to them, it's better. But <laughs> Yes, for sure. Taking and not that, that first step can be hard. <laughs> not that every day was uh, just rosy. I'm not trying to suggest that. Um, homeschooling is hard. It really is. And it takes, you know, you have to look at it like I have this job. You can't just decide not to get up and school your kids. But um, but it, like I said, it's just so worth it, um, which I just loved uh, being a mom and I loved being around the girls. And so I guess getting to spend that time with them because it's so short until they're gone. And, and, you know, you're the one that gets to see the, um, oh, the different things that they learn first or that you taught them or whatever. It's just a blessing. It really is. Yeah. Was, um, could they go and help Vic more since they were homeschooled? Was that one of the deciding things also or? Sure. Yeah. Um, we could definitely have the freedom to say, okay, so this work is coming up. So we are going to revamp our schedule and we're going to do, um, a little more work each day and you're going to have Friday off or Monday off or whatever and you can go to work with your dad. So, yeah, we were able to kind of work it around to, so that they were able to be more involved. But then again, you had to guard against thinking that all the time because you can't just 
Um, not go to school. Not go to school. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you find that balance? Um, it was hard <laughs> sometimes, you know what I mean? Um, Vic would be like, I really need him. And I'm like, I know that, but they really need to go to school. So, um, <laughs> so sometimes, you know, we would just visit about it. And sometimes we had long days of school, you know, we would be doing school. But, you know, I would look at it and truthfully, um, riding the bus was a you know, they would get on the bus. I think they caught the bus at 6.45 or something like that and get didn't get home till pretty close to 5. Wow. <clears throat> so those were long day. days, you know. And so, and then they came home with homework. And that, that was a, a struggle as well. And so even though there were some long days when we would double up on school and that kind of thing, you know, it wasn't... Um, much more than what would happen on a daily school yeah. um, setting if they would have went to public school. So, yeah. Huh. Did your girls ever, um, like, did they enjoy it? Or did they ever want to go to public school? Um, no, they did not want to go to public school. Um, every once in a while, I would entertain thoughts of putting Danielle in school when she was in high school and she would beg, please, no, they did not want to go to school. So they, they did like it. Um, our middle daughter kind of wanted to play sports. And so she did entertain thoughts of like, oh, I wished I could do that. But living this far out, they didn't run a bus for, for, practices. for practices and stuff. And it just wasn't, you know, just wouldn't work for us. Mm -hmm. And so... With the girls, I was just like, well, you know, we don't do that, but we did rodeo with them. And that was kind of their extracurricular activity was rodeo. So we junior rodeoed and high school rodeoed, and then we did 4-H, too. That's so, cool. yeah, we did other things. We just didn't do the sport thing in, yeah. in school, yeah. yeah. What would you say the hardest part about living this kind of lifestyle and doing what you did was? I think one of the hardest things is... Um, there were different times and still are that you would like to be just a little closer to church and mm -hmm. be a little bit more involved in things that go on there. But it's really hard sometimes because you can't just <clears throat> run back and forth to town all the time and be involved in everything. So I think that that, that was the hardest, hardest thing. But, but then again, I, I really like living out. So, yeah. That's I think cool. it would be hard to live in town, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Are you very social at all? Like, did you miss any kind of social life or? No, I was pretty content, um, I guess, with with family life, you know, and mm -hmm. I didn't have to be that socially involved, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, and maybe just for those people who are listening who don't know where this is, can you just tell them like how far away you are from town? Yeah, and... it's 35 miles north of Flagstaff on 89, like you're going to Page or Utah. And um, anyway, it's as far as ranches go, it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's a, only a mile of dirt road, and then you're on a highway, so that's pretty good. Um, and it's a good dirt road. And it's a good dirt road, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah, so it's not like you're way out 
um, 70 miles off on a dirt road or something. So as far as, yeah, uh, ranches go, it could be worse mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah. How often would you go to town? Oh, um, for sure we went to town every Sunday to go to church. And then probably another, either one time a week or one time every two weeks back then. And But it's turned into pretty much where you go to town once a week and then go to town on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you think back on on raising your girls and getting involved with in this lifestyle, are there any particular memories that stand out to you? Hmm. Well, that's a pretty broad question. <laughs> um, oh, the, I have... I have some memories of, um, of Vic leaving and going on the other side of the ranch. The other side of the ranch is located over closer to the Grand Canyon. So it's an hour and 45 minutes over there, pretty much. And um, they would, you know, be working over there, and we called it the wagon. So he would be on the fall wagon or the spring wagon over there on the other side. And sometimes he would um, have something going on here, and he would decide that we needed to take care of him. And Vic Victoria, our oldest, would be, oh, you know, 11 or 12, and uh, riding, riding on some heifers or whatever. And sure as the world, <laughs> one of them would be calving. And anyway, time or two, I just remember her coming home, Mom, there's, you know something out there that's having problems and I'd be like okay bring it in and so she'd be trying to bring it in and we would get it in a corral and we pulled a calf and you know just things like that that you would have to figure out how to do and her pretty young you know to be doing that and um, but Vic just always thought you know what you guys got this you can handle this and we would be like okay mm -hmm. <laughs> but sometimes it didn't feel like we could handle it <laughs> but it did get handled for good. sure. So, yeah. You're good. That sounds like a good learning experience for your girls. Or oh, for... yeah. Yep. <laughs> All yeah, of the responsibilities sure. here don't leave just because Vic leaves yeah. and goes on the wagon. Exactly. <laughs> for sure. Huh. Well, I think I have asked all the questions that I was meaning to, but if there's anything else you want to share, please feel free to do that. Um, I think I'm good. Okay. Well, thank you so much for visiting with me. Thank you. <laughs> that concludes my interview with Jamie Howell. Stay tuned for a new episode coming out in two weeks where I visit with her son-in-law, Clay Rogers. If you like what you're listening to, please leave us a rating and a review. And like always, to put a face behind the name, check out our Instagram page at cowboystories underscore podcast. And then one last thing before I let you guys go. Jamie is in charge of the hash knife horses instagram page and they always have an annual colt sale this year it is saturday july 9th at 10 30 a.m and you can find more information on that if you go to babbittranches.com that's b-a-b-b-i-t-t ranches.com and you can check out their horse page on instagram at hash knife horses thanks for listening and we'll see you next time Thank you.
Thank you.